When I curse, my mom giggles. Maybe you will too. Be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm a queer black feminist scholar. This is Darren, hailing from the mean streets of Anaheim. I'm an introvert, a novelist, and a nerd. We're early 30-somethings with three kids and over a decade of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness and adult life. We do adult differently. This is That Black Couple. Hi. Hey, hello. Hi. Hi. Guess what we're doing? We're podcasting. We're podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. It's the entanglement episode. It's been a long time coming. We meant to record this in like July, August, and here we are now, and it's September, October, Mm -hmm. and we're recording the entanglement episode. But bitch, who fucking cares? This shit is right on time. Okay. So this is episode 27 of season two of That Black Couple, the entanglement episode or how we do polyamory. Have a seat. And today, what we're going to have you drink is Angela Bassett's bathwater. The reason why I say that is because I remember there was an interview with Angela Bassett a few years ago and they asked her how she stays looking so supple and shiny and moisturized at a a deep oxygenated level. And her ass said water. Mm -hmm. And all these years I've been thinking she was talking about drinking water. And I was like, bitch, from where? Like the fountain of Judah? Like... (laughs) Is this, From the tip of the Andes? Is this the water that in Indiana Jones, they was all running in that place to get, and then they drank it, and then when the water got messed up and they drank out of the wrong cup, they turned into ash? Mm-hmm. What water is it? But then I'm thinking now, maybe she don't mean she drinking it. Maybe she means she's bathing in it. So we she, are going to... She, are you saying the, the moisture is from outside? Outside she, she in. She soaks herself? She soaks herself in a special type of water, and it's just... But as the Angela Bassett bath water, but it's kind of like in Watchmen when he transferred part of his essence into the egg. And so if we drink the bath water, we should be able to get some of the essence. It's passed on to us. Passed on to us. Yes. Thank you. The logic forks, right? Yeah, I, I followed it. Thank you. It's it was like a thread. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to drink Angela Bassett's bath water. Okay, that's what we're drinking. Today we're talking about polyamory. And what I would suggest is before you dive into this episode, you should go ahead and listen to episode 23. That's where we really talk about polyamory in a more introductory way. We talk about open relationships, ethical non-monogamy, and what all of that means. Okay, today we're more so talking about what polyamory means in the ways that we practice it today. And to be frank, we've been doing the polyamory non-monogamy thing for a very long time. So this may be more, I don't know, intermediate level, I would say. Yes, it's it's the next level, next stage. Absolutely. All right. So that's episode 23. This is That Black Couple. I'm Jen. I'm Darren. And before we get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ThatBLKCouple, on Facebook at That Black Couple, and look us up on the internets at www.ThatBlackCouple.com. You can stream any of our episodes on Spotify, 
Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And you have to rate us high because we just gave you that tip on Angela Bassett's bathwater. And I guarantee that it's going to change your life. That actually is a completely valid reason. Mm-hmm. And honestly, no tea, no shade. You're not going to get no real shit on no other podcast like nope. that. Nobody else on any of these other podcasts is telling you to drink Angela Bassett's bathwater because nobody else is up on game like that. And we need to pass this on to the whole African diaspora. Absolutely. Starting here. Right now. Today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ready to get started? Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Okay. First things first. Okay. So this is interesting because we actually didn't give a fuck about what was happening with August Alcina, Jada Pinkett, or Will Smith because we have been polyamorous, non-monogamous for a long time. So we've had to hear people talking about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith for so long that I honestly, for me, I've become kind of numb to it and I've tuned all that shit out. I'm tired of hearing monogamous people talk about polyamory and they don't read. I don't really want to hear what they have to say. So what I will say is we heard the entanglement word coming up and I was like, oh shit, here come the monogamous people talking shit about polyamorous shit and they don't know what the fuck they talking about. And that's what got me is they didn't know what they were talking about. They didn't know what they was talking about and all type of fuckery ensued. And so I will admit I have not watched no red table talks on this because I don't give a fuck. I ain't read near one single article. I ain't looked at nothing. Honestly, if something said August Alcina, Jada Pinkett, I honestly turned that shit off and muted it on Twitter. I did not want to hear that shit. But what I did do was see a whole bunch of monogamous people saying ignorant ass shit, like saying that, you know, polyamorous people are immature and are like children, don't know how to commit, are basically just cheaters. It was a whole lot of shit. Well, and, and here, here's, here's the thing. I, I was in the same place. And usually I'm the type of person, you know, I'm a researcher. I like to, you know, follow up and get all the details of everything. But when this whole thing happened, I was like, I just don't, I don't have it in me to take the time out of my day to sit down and watch this red table talk. Either, either the one with, with Will and Jada or the, the, the backlog one where Jada was talking with August Alcina. I don't really, I didn't really want to take the time out. And I think what it was is realistically people have been talking about will and jada and their relationship and what's wrong with it and who's sleeping with who mm-hmm. and are they cheating and are they swingers are they in an open relationship are they doing this are they doing that they've been doing that since 2011 yeah and no, i'm tired. i think it's been longer than that no i, I looked it up okay i looked it up because I, I was like, like how long has this been going on i feel like it's been happening for so long that i always I, i've always associated that with their relationship well, i think there's been like like you know, rumblings whispers. of things like, mm, maybe, mm. but like the first, like, oh, is something, is something happening here? It was way back in 2011. Jaden and Willow had mm-hmm. already been born, mm-hmm. right? They were on the earth. And then I guess someone was like, oh, it's, I think it was Jada. It was like, is Jada with like Mark Anthony or something? And then people were talking about Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Like, and so there's just been years and years and years of people speculating and guessing and criticizing and hating and, you know, demonizing whatever Will and Jade are doing, because to be honest, that's their relationship. We still don't know what the hell they're doing. See, and that's the thing. Okay, so this is what I want to start off with is I want to say about this episode is that I don't want it to come off like we're over here diagnosing or autopsying Will and Jada's relationship or Jada and Alex Alcina's connection. I don't really give a fuck to be... It's not for us. I don't give a fuck at all. And we have always, in our 20 years together, we have always had a rule of we don't get into other people's relationships because you really don't know what the fuck is happening in people's lives behind closed doors. You really never fucking know. So for me, I don't speak on people's shit unless they invite me into that shit, right? Like, 
if we if you talking to me and you're like hey give me some relationship advice and i'm like okay bitch i'm about to drag you now right like you asked for it you asked for it okay bitch you asked for it but other than that i'm not about to do that i don't give people relationship advice and i don't see our relationship as a benchmark or any type of indication of how other people should relate we are individual people who have been socialized in particular ways we have our own shit our own baggage and we have found ways to work with our shit like that to me is what our relationship is Mm -hmm. so i can't use that as a model or a lens to now try and lecture somebody else about how the fuck they should relate to somebody else two completely other different strangers who i'm not fucking and who i did not give birth to what type of sense is that bro so I'm not doing that. No have no power. Don't have no power, bro. So in this episode, what I do think, though, is that what we're trying to do is use the entanglement issue, like the whole drama that came out of the entanglement conversation that they had to talk about polyamory in a way that helps to demystify some of the bullshit that we saw, some of the generalizations and the suppositions and the stereotypes And to also connect this to the fact that some folks are just inherently monogamous and some folks are just inherently polyamorous. It's not a thing that you do. It's a thing that you are. This podcast is supported by generous donations from listeners and readers of our mom and dad's web magazine, watercoolercombos.com. You can stream the show on Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope comments. This helps us with our page rankings and gets more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. And we are back. Are we? Are we back? Yep, we are back. It's, I know it's been a long time, but we are back. Shouldn't have left you. Without a dope beat. Just step, step two. two. Yeah. Step two. But you know, Aaliyah, you know, that dope beat continues to this day. Why? Why was she so fucking dope, though? Somebody posted a picture of Queen of the Dam the other day, and I was like, that movie was fucking excellent, well, bro. You know what it is? I realize this. Aaliyah was a vibe before a vibe was a thing. Yeah. She was like the original vibe. Yeah. Well, I don't know, because I think what? that Janet Jackson was the original vibe. Yeah, that's true. I think Janet Jackson hit us, and we were like, what is emanating from her body? It's like, I don't get it. I don't know what it is. But it's there. And but I Aaliyah was a different kind of vibe. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Gone too soon. Yep. Okay. The conversation. Yep. Let's step into the conversation. We're talking about entanglements today. Let's do it, bro. Let's do it. You know, I like to put my little, you know, academic hat on. Go ahead, baby Um, daddy. So I want to talk about what an entanglement is. Yes. So an entanglement is defined as the action or fact of entangling or being entangled. That didn't say shit. It didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> but it also can mean a complicated a complicated relationship or situation. That's right there. And that is what an entanglement is. A situationship. Is. A situationship. And I think what, what happens is people have taken the word entanglement and they've like they've kind of diluted it and, and kind of condensed it down into like one specific type of relationship. They, and they try to make that something. Like they a condensed bad thing. it down to we fucking. Right. And that is not what entanglement is. is. Because what an entanglement can be is it can be you raising a foster child. It can be you dating someone that one of your friends has already dated. It could be you being divorced and still having kids with your um, with your, your prior spouse. It can be you opening up a business with your friends. It's basically any type of relationship that has um, any type of poten- potential entanglement uh, quality, right? So right. if anything is happening if it's a sexual entanglement if it's an emotional entanglement any any of these types of ways that people relate to one another 
that is an entanglement. That's the thing. That's the thing is that I think folks have had this thing in their mind that entanglement necessarily means A, something negative, and B, it necessarily means something sexual. And it doesn't, right? Any type of interaction you have with another human being is a potential entanglement. That's a person that you may fall in yeah. love with. That's a person that you want to start a business with. It may be someone you want to go to college with. It may be someone that, you know, you have an accident with. It may be something who knows what could happen, right? So every time we come into human interaction, any social interaction is a potential entanglement. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people have tried to make it into something that is about you know fucking around and hookup culture and friends with benefits and all this like lack of accountability yeah i think the word we're looking for is risky behavior yeah bro that's that's the bucket that people like to call those types of activities right but me and you me and you have been entangled since the day that we met essentially Mm -hmm. we we became best friends I became invested in you financially. When you didn't have money, I gave you money. When you when I didn't have money, you paid for shit. We it became in, emotionally invested in each other's success in college, and we were not romantic. We weren't having sex, and we had no intention at the time of being in a romantic relationship. Right. But was I invested in your future and potentiating you? Yes. Was I invested in seeing you picking a major that suited you and that had the potential for you to choose a career that you wanted? Absolutely. And there were decisions to be made like, oh, man, someone wants me to go do this, but that might affect this person in that way. Right. And I have to figure these things out. I have to figure out how to navigate them. Right. I'm also learning someone new and I have to figure them out. And we have to have conversations about what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And and how how are we going to actually forge a, a, a path forward in whatever type of relationship we're building. Right. To be entangled is to essentially be an adult. To be entangled is to be an adult. To be entangled is to acknowledge the specific ways that with each individual relationship, whether it be platonic or romantic, we have responsibilities and accountabilities to the other person in that connection. Exactly. So I was entangled with you the moment I decided to be your friend. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it. We all have entanglements. That's it. And so it really was very enraging for me over the summer when I saw people writing entanglement and they were like, oh, I'm in an entanglement with my pool boy. Ooh, I'm about to be in an entanglement. Oh, I'm trying to get myself into an entanglement before cuffing season is over. I'm just like, y'all hella annoying. Y'all hella basic, bro. You hella annoying. Like, I'm trying not to get irritated by the internet shit. But at the same time, I'm like, did y'all even look up the word? It just means tangled, bro. You ain't never had a knot in your hair, bro. Let's not be stupid, bro. Well, and here's here's my thing is is when I was thinking about this episode, I thought about, you know, like just like you said, being entangled is being an adult. Yes. And we were talking about how everyone has entanglements. And honestly, we've been watching these Reese Witherspoon shows. Mm. And listen, I know we have talked a lot of shit about Reese Witherspoon in the past. (laughs) We have. We have. But as of late, she's been on a a strong streak. You know why? Reese Witherspoon has fully stepped into middle-aged, no-lipid flat-bootied, stringy-haired white womanness. She has said, you know what? This is a lane, and I am in it, and I want to live here. Because, you know, she was trying to do young voluptuousness for a minute, and, and I was like, girl. That ain't it. Girl, girl, girl. Mm. But, you know, and that's that's what we always say. 
when you find your lane, stay in that the you, dead center you of that step lane. step in that lane, girl, and you live in that lane. And mm-hmm. you fill that lane up and you treat that lane like it ain't no other lane ever existed. <laughs> that's what Ava said. That's what Ava said. Ava said that's when her life changed, when she stepped into her and, lane. And look at Reese. And look at... Stepped right into that Reese lane. Reese in that white girl lane. She in that mm-hmm. middle age, stringy blonde hair. I got skeletons in my closet because I'm white. And all of our closets are the size of fucking mansions on Rodeo Drive. Mm-hmm. These motherfuckers got closets bigger than everybody's house. Nigga, the reason why they got so many skeletons is the whole house is a motherfucking closet. But see, but see, here's the catch. Every single one of them skeletons is an entanglement. Every one of them skeletons is an entanglement. That's 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 the They are baby the daddy somewhere. They somebody they done slept with somewhere. They somebody that they, they told they was going to go into a business with and then they decided to run away instead. They somebody that stole some money from. They done... Nigga. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Little fires everywhere with, uh, with uh, what's her name? Reese with with Kerry Washington, Washington, with Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon is is amazing because yes. the show is all about entanglement, all about entanglement with them and their kids and how all that stuff works together. And you don't know what happened. You got grandparents who have stilted relationships. You have agreements to have children for people, and then they didn't want to have them. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what's going to happen? People are getting sick and dying, and there's inheritances. Yeah, financial entanglement. That's an entanglement, bro. You can have financial ones. You can have familial ones. You can have economic ones. You can have emotional, mental entanglements, mm-hmm. physical entanglements. They come in every form. That's what it means to be an adult. And what, was, what was the other one? Oh, uh, Big, Big Little, Little Lies. Lies. All about entanglements. Yes. Relationships. Yes. Raising kids. Money. What do you tell your kids? What do you not tell your kids? Money is our, to me, is one of our fundamental entanglements. That's the yeah. one, that's one of the ways that we all get entangled with other people. You are born into a household and you are financially dependent upon someone else. That's usually our first entanglement. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to, I got to eat, bro. I got to live. You got to negotiate how that's going to look, right? Class yeah. orders so much of our early life. Like that's an entanglement and that is often a negotiation, especially in a household where there are not like a nuclear, like normative, right? When you have, there might not be two parents. You might be having children who live with foster parents or with grandparents or with cousins and all of those things become negotiations, right? Mm -hmm. They become all these different inter intermingled and entangled processes where you have to understand how, if I make this decision, it's going to affect someone else. I always understood that growing up. Growing up poor, I knew I was fucking entangled. I knew that if I ate too many portions of the fucking tuna casserole, my cousin wasn't going to have enough. Exactly. That's a motherfucking entanglement, bitch. Don't play me. I'm still upset that niggas was acting like entanglements is for them hoe-ass polyamorous people who ain't got no responsibilities. No, nigga, we got a hell of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And we acknowledge them. So now this is my turn. Yeah, I want you. That's exactly where I want you to so take So this it. is my turn to drag the fuck out of monogamous people, right? Oh, Lord. <laughs> so here's the thing. And this is as someone who's always been either ethically ethically non-monogamous or polyamorous and so for most of my life i've been ethically non-monogamous meaning that i just did not adhere to the norms of monogamy i just didn't treat people shitty about it right i wasn't cheating on people i've never cheated on anyone i was transparent if i had romantic feelings for someone else i would simply say hey i've got romantic feelings for this other person but where I was not polyamorous was that I was not actively working to maintain ongoing and committed relationships with multiple people and only until like the last four to five years. So what I will say is that for me, polyamory has made a lot of my previous kind of 
socialization around monogamy very transparent and clear to me, right? When I was being raised in monogamy culture, I was raised that a lot of things didn't have to be said. Like I just was expected as the feminine presenting person, as the the female person in the interaction to take on particular roles, to be subjected to certain types of treatment, to be submissive to a masculine presenting person, right? All of these things were expected and those became entanglements, but they became hidden entanglements that I didn't even have any negotiation for. Right. I didn't even get to openly consent into them. They were just projected onto my body and socialized as like, this is how you, this is how you love someone. This is how you are supposed to mm-hmm. be in a relationship. Yep. And, and just, and just because we ignore them or we act like everyone is supposed to have these entanglements or this is the way everyone is supposed to live doesn't mean that they're not entanglements. Right. Right. And then what happens with, for instance, monogamous culture, because it is the norm, a lot of questions don't get asked. That's how normative behavior works. We all walk around outside on our two feet for the most part, right? But if we saw somebody walking around like a dog outside on all fours, we'd be like, what the fuck is going on? We walk on two feet. But we don't typically have to define. There's no signs outside that say we only take people here that walk on two feet. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's the norm, right? And so with polyamory, It's not the norm. The idea that you would have multiple relationships is not the norm. And so when now we have people who have multiple relationships, it's like, holy shit, what the fuck is that, right? The only reason why we make a big deal out of the communication that polyamory opens up for us is because monogamy has never required us to have that level of detail. It's never asked us to see the forest for the trees. It's never asked us to do that. Monogamy has essentially told us that if we have a set of expectations around gender, race, class, all these things about sexual orientation, the nuclear family, right? There's all these shortcuts in society that tell us how we're supposed to relate. Throw in religion and you ain't got to do shit, basically. If you're Christian and a woman and straight like I can basically tell you exactly who you about you supposed to marry. You got a whole Bible verse, Proverbs thirty one. I mean, who you and supposed we to good, marry? Right. What you supposed to we wear? We got Corinthians thirteen. We got everything in the Bible to just tell you who the fuck you are, how you supposed to act, what you supposed to do. Period. Right. And when you have that kind of culture, then there's not a lot of individual, personal uh, commitment that has to be made. There's not a lot of conversations that get had. So when it comes time, for instance, to have children. Right. Who's going to be the primary caretaker for the child? Oh, well, you have an expectation around that. It will be the person who carries it, which is almost always likely the the female presenting the woman. Right. Because we know that many people can have uteruses, but we know that in heteronormative binary culture, the idea is that the woman will carry the child and the woman will be the the rearer. And I have to say that this this is a really oddball story, but it just popped in my head when you were talking about that, because. I saw a really random story about Megan McCain this week. What? I know. Just go with me on it. She's pregnant. She's like eight and a half months pregnant. Right? So she's about to have a baby. She's still on The View. I just never thought we would say Megan McCain on this podcast. I know. But you got to go with me on this one. Okay. Right? Because she, you know, she writes sometimes. Oh. She writes sometimes. Go with me on it's. it's I rare. mean, a broke clock is right that, twice I, a day. That's what I'm saying. Every once in a while. 
And so she was being interviewed and she was basically saying, it's very funny how people keep asking her if she's going to go back to work after they, after she has a baby. Yeah. And she, and she said out loud, oh, it's really funny how no one asked my husband if he's going to go back to work after we have a baby. Exactly. Right? And that's the expectation. She's like, yes. just because I'm a woman doesn't mean oh, I'm having a baby. I stop work. Right. Why, why do we not ask both of the parties that, right. that entered into this entanglement, entanglement. of having a child? Entanglements. Right? Yeah. Because, as you're saying, society has told us, oh, that's not something that you really have to talk through because we know the path. Right. And with monogamy, that is the same attitude that happens. With monogamy, the expectation is there are two people who will be together. Those two people will give each other their all. They will only have that deep and connective and intimate and sexual relationship with just one another. And everyone else will come second. Mm-hmm. And that means that every other relationship has to fall in line with that monogamous relationship. And if those feelings don't align, then somehow we are the problem, right? right. We Then we feel guilt and we feel shame and we feel loss and we feel all of these things. And so for me as a polyamorous person, I don't have, I'm not beholden to that expectation and the normalization of monogamy, right? And so for me, entanglement makes sense. When I see my my best friends, I feel myself being entangled with them, their their history and their present and their success and where they want, when they want to move somewhere in the country. And I think about how far they'll be from me. And I'm thinking about if my children will be able to see them, if I'll be able to see them, or if I'll be able to see their parents. Those are all entanglements that we enter into with one another. We decide we're going to move together, right? These are all forms of entanglements that monogamy culture teaches us don't exist, right? Because they don't exist within a one-to-one binary, gender binary, heterosexual relationship. And those are the only types of entanglements that we validate and justify. And we don't even call them that. We call them blessings. Then we call them (laughs) moments of joy, labors of love. And and the whole thing is, like you said, it's a shortcut. Yeah. It's how do we simplify things so we don't have to think about them, so that we don't have to have those difficult conversations. Right. So we don't have the potential instance where... There's a clash and a conflict and we right. don't agree. Oh, no. Right. What do we do in that situation? Because what happens right? if you're monogamous and you have a clash and you disagree and you break up? <gasps> now you have no one. Oh, my gosh. And you're a failure because in monogamy culture, being alone is the worst thing to be. Yep. It means, there, it means there's something wrong with you. Right. And that is that is my issue with even the ways that monogamous people. I was seeing monogamous single people who I know want to have a family and children who were talking shit about Jada and Will, who have a family and children. I was like, I am so confused. Will and Jada have carved out a way to live their life that works for them and their kids. Their kids seem well-adjusted. I think I think Jaden and Will, Willow are interesting, and they know who the fuck they are. They're doing interesting shit, and they're nonconformist. I think they're great. And so I'm just like, bro, they've been together for a long fucking time. But, but even then, right? Even if if the the kids weren't like doing so great, maybe right. we didn't know anything about them. Right. Maybe Will and Jada are having some issues or troubles in their right. relationship. You right. Because they're things human. Aren't right all yeah. the way. Maybe they're not perfect. Right. Are they supposed to be perfect? Right. Are Are they supposed to conform to everyone's ideals of right. what they should be? Right. And that's the thing that gets me too is like a lot of monogamous folk look at polyamorous folk and are looking for like a oh see told you it would fail or like oh see that's how you know it's not right or like oh see and it's like bro the divorce rate for monogamous people is still over 50 percent like 
Divorce is a thing that happens all the fucking time. And more than likely, it happens in monogamous relationships. I have watched yeah. so yeah. many monogamous people fail at relationships. Honestly, in my opinion, because a lot of them are queer and a lot of them are polyamorous. But that's well, that's and, my that's just, And here's <laughs> the thing. The flip side of that is in, in our long marriage, which I can now say is long. Yeah. Um, I can't even count how many times people have been like, huh. Ooh, are you okay? Ooh, are you gonna get divorced? Is there, is there a problem? Oh, I, I want to make sure you're safe. I don't. I don't want this to. And it's it's like people look at marriage and this idea of monogamy, and they put it on this pedestal, and they're like, yeah. okay, so they're doing well. And Will and Jada was one of those couples, right? Yeah. We looked at them like, wow, this Hollywood power couple. They're so gorgeous. They're amazing. We love them. Yes. They're they're icons to us, and now they're married and they're having kids. And like, yes. oh my god. And then it's like. Oh no! Yes. What if this falls apart? And what also, does that say about my relationship and my chances and and my my way of choosing to live? Right. And we also have to think about that too. And I thought about this a lot in the context of our relationship, like the ways that folks a lot a lot of times devalue relationships if anybody in that relationship is polyamorous. Yeah. Like somehow that's like a non-commitment thing, or like somehow that means that people are not fully in it to win it or whatever. And I'm like. That is ridiculous. That is the goofiest shit I've ever heard in my motherfucking life. Like the idea that me being polyamorous means that I somehow am not committed to the person who I've built an entire life with, my whole life with, the whole life, like three children, cars, houses, moving, jobs, trips. Well, well, let me ask you the question then. So how do you feel about commitment and deal it as a polyamorous person with multiple relationships? I mean, for me, I'm a highly committed person. Like I'm high fidelitous. Anybody who knows me knows that anything that I choose to do, I do with a high level of commitment. So I'm not going to say I'm even going to do anything unless it's something I intend to do with every little like being, every part of my life, every part of my body, every atom that I am made up of, right? I think also, and I can't speak for other people, right? And I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say that there aren't like polyamorous folk who are not full of the fuckery, because there are. And that's a whole thing too. Like there's a lot of folks who are in polyamory who I don't think are actually polyamorous. I don't. Mm-hmm. Just like I think there's a whole bunch of people who, mm, that's another episode. <laughs> that's another episode. That's the next episode. Um, but, we can, but we can, we can, you know, we can put yes. the high level. I think that people perform a lot of different things because they want attention or they have a narcissism complex, lots of things like that. But for me, I think that polyamory has actually helped me to think about commitment differently because being polyamorous is a form of daily commitment and ongoing commitment, right? Like in monogamy, you typically move through commitment from a place of dearth, a place of lack, a place of... This is my one person. Holy shit, if they die or leave me, I'll be alone. In polyamory, it's like, it's a whole bunch of motherfuckers. And I still choose to be here. Right? Like, I don't want to go anywhere. I have no desire to be married to anyone else. Ever. In my whole life. I'm good. Right? And I can say that having multiple partners right now as I sit here and look at you. That you love. That I love so deeply. That I love so deeply. That you have healthy relationships with. I have with. wonderful relationships with. And I want to be here and married to you, period. Right? And that, to me, is is a form of commitment that does not require starvation of love. It does not require us to remove ourselves from fucking society. Right? Like, 
It doesn't require that we see love as something that we have to nab and hold on to and snatch and like, oh, I caught mine, girl. Good luck. Oh, you know, like I, I don't want to live like that. I don't want love that has to be held captive. You know what I'm saying? I want love that is given to me every single day freely and with joy and that I accept in the same manner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, okay. Are we moving into the question section? Go ahead. I asked the question. You can, you can, we can go that direction. Because people have questions for us being that you are monogamous and I am polyamorous. Mm -hmm. So my question for you coming from the people, right? Um, The question I always get, people ask me, how does Darren take it? How does he feel? Like, how does he really feel about you having partners? Tell the people, Dan. I'm interested too. It's it's a it's honestly it's a very interesting thing because I I think what you were talking about was really kind of on target about like the starvation of love. I honestly also get the flip side of that where people ask, well, what if Darren is going to be polyamorous? What what if he wants to go with other people? What if he wants these other things? And I think at the heart of all of this is that concept of like starvation of love, like you were talking about. And I think for the two of us, I feel like for a long time, I don't think we felt like we were the only people that we could get love from. Right. But we clung very tightly together. We bound ourselves very closely together to kind of get through life. We did. Right. Yeah. And I think what happens too often in a lot of marriages is you get to that point where you believe this is my one person. This is all that I have. Like you said, if this person were to die today, I would have no more meaning in my life. Right. And I think that that's the way that people really need to look at this is to say there are other ways to get meaning in life versus just having that one spouse. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I see you with other partners, that's just another way that you are expressing and living your life. And, you know, just just like if you decide to go skydiving and, and that fulfilled you in some way. Or if you wanted to go gardening and that fulfilled you in some way. These are just other ways that you fulfill yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, as a monogamous person, I just don't have the desire <laughs> or the bandwidth or the energy or the whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. to do to to fulfill myself in those ways. Mm-hmm. I get what I need within that aspect of myself from this one relationship. Mm-hmm. But I also I, I don't want to fall into the trap of saying, oh, well, I can fulfill the entirety of who I am from this one relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people get messed up. Mm -hmm. And so I I think anyone listening to this needs to really look at themselves holistically and say, how do I fulfill myself? What fills me up? What makes me feel good? Mm -hmm. If it means that you need to be dating three people, 10 people, 20 people. Or no people. Or no people. You go and you engage in that. If it means that you're going to, you know, write a novel, you know, (laughs) score a film, if you go fly a kite, whatever it is, you need to go and and chase after that. Right. And and live your best life and not worry about how someone else is living their best life unless it seems to you like they are not on that same chase. I agree. I mean, I, I so I think what you're saying is spot on, especially for someone for someone like me, I identify as relationship anarchist, right? And so, and I've been like this since I was a kid. And I think I'm, I think I'm realizing that because I've been wired this way, I just thought everyone else was too. And I'm learning that people are not, right? Mm-hmm. I've always seen people in my life as very flat. Like the relationships have always been very flat. Like my cousins are my best friends. I have best friend cousins. I call one of my cousins 
who is she's my closest one of my closest cousins i call her my best friend and my baby mama like i don't know how to explain that but that's just how it is and like she i love her to death and nobody will ever rival her in my life she's a very special person to a point where i don't even know how to explain that relationship right and she's important to me just like my best friends who i've met over the last five years who if they were to to not be in my life i i would feel an extreme like piece of loss like i would be so hurt (laughs) i would be deeply hurt and it would feel it would feel the same way as if you lost a boyfriend or a girlfriend or they friend or them friend you know what i'm saying like that's how it would feel for me and you know i have partners in my life who like i'm like damn shit don't never fucking leave me because wow i'm gonna be fucked up bro and this is a person me who didn't even really date like that so i've always been in love with people around me because i love black people like i genuinely love black people and even as a child, I was like a nurturing child who just loved black people and children. And like, I was always doing like loving nurturing shit. And so I don't understand how to keep love compartmentalized to just a certain subset. I don't know how to do it. I don't, my body doesn't work that way. I'm not programmed that way. And I don't know how to not fall in love with people. I just, I meet people and I'm like, Wow, holy shit, you're amazing. Well, and, and here's here's the flip side from my perspective, right? Is I love you mm-hmm. and I love who you are as a person mm-hmm. on the inside. Mm-hmm. And that's the person that I've always loved from the beginning of meeting you, yeah. right? So that means that I love the part of you that is polyamorous. Right, and right? I love the part of you that's monogamous. Right, so like... It, it, that's why sometimes when people ask us questions, it's actually just legit confusing it's to me. It's confusing to I'm me like, too. Cause he loves me. I don't know. <laughs> like, how, how do I answer? Cause he don't love just parts of me. He. Yeah, like, how do you take that? What? Well, I mean, I don't know. How baby. do you take? How do you take a husband that you know sits on the couch every Sunday and watches football and drinks beer for hours? Now how listen, do you, how do you I'm take sorry, that? I couldn't do it. Right, you couldn't do that. I couldn't do that because that's that's not your you ministry. You have to that, get the entire fuck. Right, that wouldn't work in your relationship. <laughs> it works for other people right. as long as it works for you and your you household. Are you happy? Rule. You enjoy. Yeah. But to me, it's it's the same. And I'm I'm sure people are listening to this and probably feel like I'm you know being facetious and yes. like taking this down to a level that doesn't make sense, yes. but but I'm not. But you know why? Because <laughs> what they're really asking you is how is it that you can feel safe and comfortable with your wife, your woman, whose body should belong to you. Exactly. Whose pussy should be yours and should only have the one dick in it. How is it possible that you can feel comfortable as a man, a black man, a king, a king? Uh, how can you feel okay with me owning my own body? And walking through the world as if it belongs to me. And that is what I want people to say. I wish they would fucking yeah. say that. Because what they really want to know is how is it that I, as a black woman, a, a black, queer, androgynous, gender fluid, gender queer black woman, can feel so confident to own my body and to demand that people respect that. And how is it that I, air quotes, found a man <laughs> who is okay with that? That's what they're asking. And I wish we would have more conversations about that part. Well, and the answer is, for both of us, we don't want to own anybody. Right. Except ourselves. Right. I don't want to own you. Nope. I don't want to own my kids. Hell nah, bro. 
I'm not envi- I'm not. I don't even own my puppy. To me, she her own person. I'll mm-hmm. be like, girl, you you live your life, girl. You know, I I I don't understand the desire. Now, here's the thing. In in kink, I understand owning folk. Right. This is a right. different thing. We're not talking about that. So it's nobody different. listening here like, oh, I understand. Don't do that. What we're talking about is the non-consensual ownership of folks under a set of premises that are often exploitive and oppressive that do not serve them, Mm -hmm. right? We're not talking about a power exchange that is consensual. We are talking about dominance that is extracted and is coercive. And I don't understand. I don't understand why people look at you and I and say, oh, well, she's polyamorous and he's monogamous. I don't, I don't understand how that could possibly ever exist. But if you were polyamorous and I was monogamous, they would go, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, if you feel that way, then you are need, you need to have more conversations with yourself. You're not asking us about us. You're asking, you're asking questions about your understanding of gender and patriarchy. Well, well, and then the next step of that is kind of what the other thrust of this, this episode is. You want to ask me a question? Hold on. Okay, come on. It's how do we maintain this relationship? What does it look like? You uh-huh. know, like, how is it that you go and visit other partners? What yeah. does the structure of that look like? What does it look like monetarily? What does it look like time-wise? How do you balance that versus our relationship versus... That's relationship a lot of questions. With, you going to let me answer? Hold on. Versus relationship with our kids versus your job versus relationship with your friends and your family, right? Yeah. It's, I think I think people really struggle with, with even envisioning what it looks like to live this type of a lifestyle which is a word i hate but i think i think people want to know that and i would say yeah go ahead and say okay okay so i got this question last week too and i think i need to go ahead and answer because i it's a very weird question to me when people ask me how do you do it i'm like how do i live in my body um i don't understand the question but i'm gonna try and answer it so my moral and philosophical commitments are to a deep, deep, deep love of black people. And when I say a deep, deep, deep love of black people, I wake up in the morning and I'm immediately compelled to do shit for black folk. Like the black folk in my household, the black folk in my immediate and extended family, the black folk who I do research for and with in the community, with the black folk in my community back home. Like that generates my entire work day that's my whole day from start to finish so for me it's like my relationships with my friends uh, my romantic partners my platonic friends in the people in my life my people who i are who i would consider um i'm romantically attracted to but i'm not in relationships with all of that is the care network that i am committed to fostering around me you know i am committed to caring for black people so i will check in on people just to see how they are doing because they just had a baby or someone in the family passed away or they said they were having a rough day last Tuesday. I want to make sure that they're okay. I literally have sticky notes on my desk right now that say buy a baby shower gift for this person or make sure to get that grad school basket for that person or make sure you check in with so-and-so because they seem sad at the meeting on Friday. Like that is, I don't know how else to live my life, right? And so it's important to me because those things wear on me. I will sit there at some point and I'll be eating a burrito and I'll be like, damn, hold on, wait. She just looked at, she looks sad. Oh, did I hit her with a note? Oh, shit, did I text her? Oh, fuck. Like, I will be doing that. You know what I'm saying? And so polyamory for me is an extension of that care network that I'm already building. 
So I don't, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't see my romantic connections as inherently different from that. I check in with my partners in the morning. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what are these niggas doing? Like I hop in the morning. I like, I look up at you. Hey, how you doing? Wake your ass up. Ain't you got a meeting? What's your day like? Check in with me. I check in with you every morning. Mm -hmm. Every morning I check in with you. I do the same thing with my partners who are not in my household. Hey, good morning. What you doing? What's on the docket? How'd you sleep? How's your heart? I do that with all of my people. And I then extend that out over the course of the day. I go through my whole text message list and I just be hitting people with text messages throughout the day. You know, I check to see how their heart is and how they're feeling. And I remember what the fuck they said the last time because I genuinely care. You know what I'm saying? And I can't always hit folks with a phone call. I can't always hit folks with a video chat. But when I can, I do. You know, like people would be like, hey, can we talk? Hell yeah, bro. Hit me at one o'clock on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not burdensome to me because I draw my energy from these people and I love them so deeply. Right. Like just talking about it. Like I'm going through the Rolodex in my mind of the people in my care network. And I'm just like, wow, they are so fucking amazing. Like, wow, they are so fucking amazing, man. Like you are, I'm not going to cry on this. I'm not going to cry on this podcast, but, <laughs> but you, bro, like you nigga. And my partners and my best friends. This shit is easy, bro. Like, loving my best friends is easy as fuck. They are the most amazing people I have ever met in my motherfucking life. You know what I'm saying? So I don't actually, I really don't understand the question. I don't understand the question because essentially what I hear when I hear that question is, how do you spend all this time loving black people? And then I'm like, um. Well. And I think that actually is the question. And I think what's underneath that is kind of what we've already been talking about is people not really living their lives the way that they want to live their lives. Mm -hmm. Not really, you know, prioritizing the things that they actually value. Correct. Right. And that's that's all it really is. That is what it is. All it is. I do what the fuck I want to do. I'm going to be honest about that. Like I have been able in the last five ish years to start fashioning and curating a life around myself. That has allowed me to step into a real authentic way of, of being. And financially, you know, I've not had this before. I'm not going to lie, right? Like, I got my PhD and I got a tenure track job. That changed all type of shit for me. Mm-hmm. And this is new, right? I've only been a fucking faculty member for a year. So this is new. Having money is a relatively new thing. I'm still getting used to it. And I still ain't really got money, right? We don't have intergenerational wealth around here. Mm-hmm. Not in these parts, bro, mm-hmm. right? There. We're not there, bro. We're not white, right? So, like, you know, it's one of those things where I think that people ask about the financial considerations about being polyamorous. And the truth is, I was raised poor and working class. I was raised, my mama told me, you always take care of your own motherfucking self. She was like, girl, don't never let nobody take care of you, especially not no nigga. So for me, I'm going to do what the fuck I'm going to do anyway. If I'm about to be somewhere, I'm about to be there. So the way I do poly, I'd be like, bro, if you don't live in one of my own brand cities, I'm probably not going to date you, right? Like where I be at Oakland, LA, Atlanta, DC, New York, Philly, you live there. I probably got a partner there. You got a chance. I got a friend or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got some. And that's, and that's not like I'm, I'm purposely doing that, but that's where I be, right? Like I, I do research 
and I know people in those places and I travel because I'll be around black people. Well, and that and that's also just being honest with yourself. Right. And, and knowing I'm not going to go into some relationship. Right. Knowing the odds of me spending time with you, right. seeing you, really giving you the time, attention, and care that you deserve is, is just Exactly. I mean, there are people who that? right now who I adore. I adore. I adore who I've met on dating apps or on a Facebook group or at an event or wherever. And they say, yeah, I live in Florida. And I'm like, wow, it was so nice to meet you. And I hope we can stay in touch. Because <laughs> your feet. Because Drew, <laughs> you won't be seeing me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There are people who are like, yeah, I'm in St. Louis. Well, I'm not. So, and my work doesn't take me there. And my life doesn't take me there. And it's not no shade to St. Louis. I, I enjoyed the time that I spent there when I lived in the Midwest. But I also know that my work and my life doesn't take me there often. Right? And so I am realistic with myself in my polyamorous journey. Right? Like I know who I am and how I show up in the world. And I never want to do injustice to people. Right? So my polyamory is about doing justice to myself and to others. Right? What feels good to me? Like, do I, did I meet someone and I really am interested in them and I want to talk to them and get to know them and something is something pulling my heartstrings that I need to investigate and explore? I'm going to do that shit, bro. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, I'm married, so I guess I'm going to act like that person don't exist. What type of ignorant shit is that? I'm not doing it. That's how people get in trouble. Not doing it. Like, if something says to me, you know, this is a person who you should maybe travel with and, like, see them and blah, 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 I'm doing it, bro. I'm fucking well, doing it. And that's that's the other piece that I think people don't realize is, like, I really, I, I don't care if you're polyamorous, monogamous, or, or otherwise. I don't think you should look to one person for everything. And so there are things that you might want to do, places you might want to go, yeah, experiences you might want to have. That I don't. Right. And that has been a game changer, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are an introvert and I am the extrovert's extrovert. And I will be out till 5 a.m. in a t-shirt and Ugg boots in Chicago's June. And I will be in the bed snoring <laughs> loud. Right? Like, and this well, is and, the thing. And that's the thing. Because, because it used to be that we tried to right. live that, right? Like, so if you want to do that, I'm like, okay, well, then I got to be there. I got to, you know, no. I got to drink 10 cups of coffee. No. And I'm going to, you know, do, you know, no. 10 push-ups every hour to keep my blood flowing so I can... You and know, that's ridiculous. What is bro, that? Bro, you are tired. I'm like, you need to go to sleep. Go to sleep. And you like, girl, you want to party and dance. Go party with your friends. And that changed our whole relationship. I feel like it was like, whoa, shit, bro. I can go outside and we don't have to be tethered to each other all night. What? Well, and it's it, to me, to me, and I think this is the, the other misconception that people have. To me, is it actually deepens our relationship. It does. Because it shows a, a deeper level of trust. It's of called some, maturity. Yeah. Mm. And, and also, like, you know, loving someone in, in their kind of experiencing their own fullness. Yes. Like, it brings me joy yes. when you go out and you do the things that you want to do. Yes. And like I said, I'm not built for all of those things. So it's like, <laughs> you are not built for all the things that I want to do. I am not. I'm not. And we don't want we don't want to be a restraint on either one of us Correct. being our best selves. Right. So when you're your best self, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I'm so glad that makes me feel Hell so good. Hell yeah, bro. Hell and if, yeah. And if that's with me, that's great. If it's not with me, okay. Right. If it's you by yourself, what's, what's the difference? <laughs> it's no fucking difference to me either. And that's the thing is like I'm invested in you as a person. Like I am genuinely invested in you. I'm like, wow, I want to see this nigga win. Like, I'm not like, I better be there, bitch. <laughs> like, 
No, bitch, you gotta win, bro. If I'm indisposed, if my ass is at work, you better still fucking win. Don't hold up that win for me, please. Don't do that shit. No. Nigga, I want you to win. You know what I'm saying? And like, that to me is one of those things where we met very young. We met when I was 17 years old, you were 18. And like, you know, your teens and 20s teach you a lot of codependency. Where we feel like we have to be with each other. We would go to each class together. We would sit there and eat lunch together and breakfast. And we got to go there and we got to do this. And then like there were times where if I didn't go with you or if you didn't go with me, we would feel a sense of loss. And that's codependency, right? You get to live your life in whatever way you wish as if you had never met me. Well, and, and I think how we grew out of that was through communication. It was. Was asking each other questions. Like, what do you want for yourself? Yeah, was saying that. Like, I want to do this. Yes. I want to go here. Yes. Right? And, and having those conversations, which, you know, bringing all the way back around. Yes. That is what all of these entanglements are about. They are. Conversations. Communication is Communication. Yeah. Talk to people. Ask yeah. them what they want. Ask yeah. what's important to them. But then Ask you gotta them what they actually don't like. fucking listen. And care. Yeah. And see, it took us a few years. I feel like it took us a few years because when you break that codependency and you start really working on being your own people, it does feel like loss. I ain't gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Like when you started doing your own shit, when we got to Chicago and you had to hop on the train and we wasn't riding together no more and I had to drive and I was like, holy shit. Like, that was really scary. It was really scary because I was, you know, in my 30s already. But, like, we had been so codependent for so long that I had really learned to just define so much of my day-to-day life based on what you were doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and how you were moving. And so when we peeled that shit away, I was like, bro, this is not healthy. That's not healthy shit. And you, you can't reach your full potential if you are being required to show up for me in particular ways that shape my potential, mm-hmm. I can't show up for my, I can't meet my full potential if I'm required to shape and fashion and mold myself to meet you. And you know what I'm saying? So we were basically also kind of holding each other back. Yeah. But that, and that, that's the thing is there's comfort in that. There's yep. safety. It's in safety. That, right. You can, you can expect certain things. Sure can. I know that you are going to make dinner and yep. it's going to be one of these things and I'm going to like yep. it. Yep. Because that is the, the silent agreement that yep. we made in yep. this entanglement. Yep. That that is what you are going yep. to do. You know that I will be home at this hour yep. and I will put the kids in the bath. Right. And then, you know, you start to fashion like this, this like a cage a frame. of yeah. safety. Yeah. Like I'm in this cage, but I know this whole cage. Right. And so there, there's the chance of anything popping up that I don't expect is so small. It's so small. I feel so good. I can live like this for the like, and then next you like, 40, 50, And then you look up years. and you're like, motherfucker, we in a cage, bro. Yeah. <laughs> because at some point you realize this is boring as hell. This is a boring ass cage. And there are some things that I want, some things, the things that would things, be good. And then things ain't in a cage. Then yeah. things require us to leave the fucking cage. And I think that's when I really stepped into polyamory and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this right. Like I was doing the non-monogamy thing and I was like, no, I actually want actual real relationships with people. Like I want to actually be in relationships and I want to travel and I want to be out. Like I want to be anchored in one place, but I want to fucking go all over. I want to be out in the world. And like when I realized that about myself, that what I realized was that the reason why I didn't want that stuff before was because I was afraid. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I had trauma from my childhood and from teenage years that had taught me to fear being free. Right. Like I had all that trauma that taught me not to be like that. And so then when we started like realizing like, 
No, this is a safe place. It's like, oh, bitch, you can be free and you'll be okay. Oh, and he won't leave you and you won't be abandoned. Well, shit, you know what I'm saying? And so for me, polyamory has really been a way to explore who I am and find out a lot of interesting things about myself that I didn't find out in adolescence and in my teen years and in my 20s when I was always somebody's pregnant mama. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a, when I was in, in teenage years and I was always somebody's church girl. You know what I'm saying? It was a lot of times in my life before my 30s when I was always somebody something else. And moving into my 30s, when we started thinking about who we wanted to be for ourselves, Mm -hmm. that's when I really realized, nah, you're not just non-monogamous. You are polyamorous as fuck. And it's not just like a, a fleeting thing. Like, this is how you live your life. And this is how you've always been. But you've just been repressing that shit. You can find my mom and dad, a.k.a. That Black Couple, on the web at thatblackcouple.com. That Black Couple is owned and operated by Color Convos Media. If you would like to help fund our content, sign up at www.patreon.com slash coloredconvosmedia. Please consider giving $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. You can also give one-time donations at www.paypal.me forward slash water cooler convos all donations are welcome and we are back welcome back welcome back welcome, welcome back, back. Yeah, look at that we almost pitch pitch perfect i don't know i wasn't really saying but go ahead i know we were under saying but okay mm-hmm. uh, it's time for the reflection and uh-huh um, I honestly I didn't expect this episode to get as deep as it did. Me either, bro. But I'm really grateful for this episode Me because too. I think it allows us to kind of talk through things in a way that we probably don't get to with other people. Yeah. Because as we said before, when people ask us some of these questions, is like it's more just shocking and confusing. Yeah. And I think this really gave us an opportunity to really explain things in like really long detail so yeah. that people can understand. And hopefully, I think that will relate to other people and how they attack life and how they live their own lives. Agreed. Um, I think for me, thinking about the reflection, really just one thing that I wanted to say, and I just think people just really seem to have like like a, a, a need to basically demonize anything different for whatever whatever their own sense of normalcy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it always comes down to society and what society teaches us. I know growing up, I grew up in the church just like you grew up in the church, and I had this idea of, okay, I'm going to grow up and I'm going <laughs> to go to college and I'm going to wear a, a suit and tie to work and I'm going to get married and we're going to have two kids and we're going to go to church on Sundays and I'm going to, you know, I had this whole picture painted because that was yep. that was what society and not just society at large, but also society like the people around me kind of said I should be doing or should be striving toward or that my life should look like as mm-hmm. an adult. And I think, you know, Adult will, adulthood will come at you fast. And I, th- I think becoming an adult and really experiencing, you know, this stage in life and really thinking about what do I want? How do I want to live? What is important to me? It's it's caused me to look back at some of these things that I was taught and, and kind of kind of shown as a child and be like, that, that was fake and false and it was yeah. phony and it was empty and it was misguided. And it really just made me waste a lot of time where I could have really just spent exploring myself and kind of really figuring out what I wanted earlier on. Exactly. Imagine if we could just have started at who am I? And if that was an option, 
Like, it's so funny. The other day I was saying something and the kids were in the room and our oldest was like, well, that's made up. And then, and then our second child was like, well, everything's made up. And I was like, oh my God, I wish I knew that as a child. Yeah. Like, I wish I knew that monogamy was just made up. I wish I knew that gender was just made up. I wish I knew that race was just made up. I wish I knew that all those things were socially constructed and that they were just made to put me in boxes so that I would be yeah. easier to organize so that the state could exploit me in the ways that made the most sense for it. You and, know? And I don't, I mean, I don't want to come down on Christianity and, and that's not what this episode is about. <laughs> I was going to do that too. But I feel like that, that's kind of what happens, you know, when you're in the church and you, you read the Bible and it's like, yep. God created the world and then God said, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And then, and and then he we're made just... Adam and then he got a rib out. And so that's us. <laughs> But that, the rib. That, but that gets to what you're saying, like this concept of hey you, things being hey made you, up. Hey you, I'm your rib. You are my Isn't rib. Isn't that sexy? <laughs> uh, so fucking um, weird, bro. But that's, but that's, I mean, every, like, like you said, everything is made up. Everything's and I think that, that line of teaching is basically telling us some things aren't made up. Some things are just how it is supposed to be. And that's right. how the world was defined. And right. so how dare you try to go outside of whatever that definition is. Right. Right. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. <laughs> and monogamy is not a rule. It's a way of being. And just like that, polyamory is a way of being. And I wish that people would stop working so hard to stigmatize something that a lot of folks are already actively engaging in. Like a lot of matrilineal cultures, a lot of African countries have matrilineal cultures where their, con- their communities are engaging in active polyamory. Well, I need you to explain what, what matrilineal is for those that might not know. Oh, matrilineal cultures are cultures that are centered around women and around feminine identities as opposed to our patriarch or patrilineal, which comes down through the men in the household. So dads, right? And so typically in our culture, in Western culture, we are patrilineal in that men have the final say on just about everything. Men inherit the land. They decide who gets married to whom. They make dowries and sell off girls, all of that. But in a matrilineal culture, the women don't cook. The women are waited on hand and foot. The women are prized possessions in culture. And that is something that also makes it so that men can't exploit women, which encourages polyamory because women are empowered to then connect with men as they see fit. And so I think the thing is that we are just so embedded in these cultural norms that don't even serve us and actually don't even come from our own fucking people, right? Like, we are not Christian from our historical ancestral diaspora connections. I don't know if people know that, but um, we are not. And so it's <laughs> not from that shit, you know what I'm saying? And so polyamory is very, very common in places where folks are of color. It's an actual thing. We just demonize it in the U.S. because we've taken on a whole bunch of white supremacist ideas about how folks should be related to one another. So I guess that's a lot for the reflection, but I just don't. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a lot for the reflection. But I think, honestly, I think it was packed in very nicely because in, at the end of the day, I think all that we are saying 
with this whole entire episode is yes. live your life the way that you want it. Right. If you want to be polyamorous, explore what that means. Explore how that might show up for you. Explore how you want to feel um, in the relationship that you engage in the world. If you don't, then don't. Then don't. And like then I don't. Also, it ain't nobody else's business what the fuck you doing, and it ain't your business what the fuck everybody else is doing. Yeah. If you want to live in the house with twenty cats, live in the house with twenty cats. I, I mean, mean, that's I don't, nasty. I don't. You know. But I don't. I'm not really supportive of that. As a as an act, everything will have cat hair in it. The yeah, food will have cat hair. In it. Yeah, I'm not going to come over here at your house. I'm not going to eat nothing will. that came out your house. I'm not even going to be near you or your house. But you know, yes. if that's what if that's what you know feeds your spirit and your soul, then you took it so far. I know. I t- I let's took really it far. Back. Let's I took really it back far from on cats. purpose. Let's take it back. Maybe from it's five cats. cats. Let's take it back from the maybe cats. it's five cats. Let's take it back from the cats. What if you want to live in a tiny house? If you want to live in a tiny house, bro, we're not doing this. Live- <laughs> no, we're not doing no more metaphors, bro. I'm not living in a tiny house. It's too small. All I'm saying is, is that polyamory. If we stop thinking about polyamory as just an a different form of cheating, which is what a lot of people do, right? If we start understanding that polyamory is a way of relating to folks through expansive love, a way of understanding that it is okay to fall in love with multiple people and people do it all the time. People fall in love and then they lose that love through death or disbanding and then they fall in love with another person, right? You don't have to love one person for your whole life. You don't have to do it. And it's okay if you don't. And you don't have to compare your loves. You don't have to do any of that. You can just love people. And you can just have your heart be full. And be and feel your feelings. And be a whole person. And have a community of care around you. Of people who genuinely love you and want to see you be your best self. I don't see how that's a bad thing. I don't see how it could be. I don't either. Thank y'all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple, on Facebook at that black couple, and look us up on the internet at www.thatblackcouple.com. Bye.